right, everybody, welcome to High Desert Word Center Sunday night service. We are going to have a great time together tonight in the house of the Lord. Who was with us this morning? Man, we had a great time uh, just hearing the word of God and uh, pastor's going to tag on a little bit to that tonight. So you are in the right place at the right time. Amen. Let's stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. And we're going to have a great time. Let's go ahead and speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight and you may be seated. All right, we're going to get into some announcements. Got some good stuff coming up. First of all, this coming Sunday, all right, one week from today, we have our missionaries, uh, Dana and Liz Nile, are going to be joining us uh, at the morning service and the nighttime service. So we are blessed. They're going to be here for both services. And uh, Dana just got back from a trip, man. He went deep into the Himalayas, and he was showing pictures on Facebook. He went over the, these rope bridges that he said it was 350. 50 yards long i mean come on and uh, and he was he rode by dirt bike for a few hours then horseback for a few more hours just to get to this village and preach the gospel so i love uh, how hardcore these guys are but they're going to be here with us this sunday morning and nighttime service so be here and be ready to hear from god they've got a great word for us super excited all right here's another big one coming up in just a few weeks we have um the uh, baptism service is going to be on sunday the 30th all right and i'm going to pass this sign up sheet around there we go we're going to pass that around. If you have not been baptized and, hey, uh, you want to be, this is your chance. We want to get you baptized. And, uh, again, we always remind you that maybe you were baptized as a child but didn't really know what was going on. Well, it's okay to get baptized again uh, if you're in a situation like that. So we would love uh, for you to sign up for that. All right, and then we have the National Day of Prayer uh, coming up just a few weeks away, and that is going to be on Thursday, May 4th, 7 p.m., right here at, uh, the, at our, at our church right here. So we're hosting it for the entire city. Uh, we, uh, have all the other churches are joining us and we are going to be doing a citywide communion, uh, which according to some of the other pastors hasn't taken place in decades in Barstow. So all the churches together under this roof and a lot of the different pastors are going to be saying some prayers. Uh, they've assembled a worship team from a lot of the different churches. I'm really excited and I want every High Desert Word Center member to be here. Are you going to be here that night? Amen. I want all of you here. So be here May 4th, 7 p.m. It'll be maybe an hour, hour and a half long, but it's going to be a great service. All right. And then finally, we have the mother-son country breakfast coming up for Mother's Day. Yeah, that's going to be on Saturday, 
May 13th at 9 a.m. We're going to be having just a big country-style breakfast and uh, I'm sure some other fun things to do. And uh, for the kids, it's $6. For the adults, it's $8. And we have a sign-up sheet back there at the info booth. So uh, sign up and don't miss out on this. It's going to be a super fun time celebrating the moms and the boys. Amen? All right. Well, that's all the announcements for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time. We're going to open our Bibles tonight to Psalm 37 and verse 4. Can we go to Psalm 37 and verse 4? And I'll be in the King, the New King James here. Psalm 37 and verse 4 in the New King James. And you know, this morning in our, in the message, we were talking about having a childlike faith, just simply trusting the Lord. And, uh, oftentimes it seems like we overcomplicate things that, uh, that the Bible's telling us to do. And, and it seems like, well, it couldn't possibly just be that simple. Well, it is when we obey the word of God. And so Psalm 37 verse four, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And guess what? He shall give you the desires of your heart. And again, this isn't complicated. What does it mean to delight ourselves in the Lord? Well, it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of things that that can mean, but certainly it means obeying God's word. When we love him, in fact, Jesus put it this way himself in John uh, 13. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And so one way to delight ourselves in the Lord, one way to love God is to simply obey his word and be a doer of the word. And I challenge us and i encourage us that that even includes the area of our giving and our finances and so tonight as you are giving you are delighting yourself in the lord you're obeying his word and there is a promise with that it says he shall give you the desires of your heart and that is a big promise but god's big enough to back it up who knows that tonight amen all right let's stand up together And we are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And then uh, Pastor Josh is going to lead us in some worship. And we'll get right into the word of God tonight. It is going to be a great Sunday night service. Amen. Let's speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. altar I wander through the darkness wasting away my soul was cold and hopeless and dead in the grave like a river of life in a dry land like a flicker of sight to a blind man I saw the glorious light 
as a broken and God of mercy and might. Oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope. You're the risen Christ. You restore my soul. Oh, you brought me back to life. The brilliance of your glory awakens my soul. You give me grace and mercy. I give you control. Like a river of life in a dry land. Like a flicker of sight to a blind man. I saw the glorious light. As it broken, God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restore my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. The brilliance of your glory awakens my soul. You give me grace and mercy. I give you control. Like a river of life in a dry land. Like a flicker of sight to a blind man. I saw the glorious light as it broke in. God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restore my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. You are the resurrector, you conquered the grave. You pulled me from the water, free from my chains, and risen to live. Like a river of life in a dry land, like a flicker of sight to a blind man. I saw the glorious light. As it broken, God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of light, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restored my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. more time let's sing he's the resurrector you are the resurrector you conquered the grave 
you pulled me from the water, free from my chains, and risen to live, like a river of life, in a dry land, like a flicker of sight, to a blind man, I saw the glorious light, as it broke in, God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restore my soul, oh, you brought me back to life.
your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you.
Glory to God. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you that we're learning more about you. We're learning more about ourselves, what we can do, because we're in you and you're in us, what we can have, who we are. Father, we thank you for learning all these things because we want to be fruit-bearing Christians that bring glory to you. Lord, just like an apple tree is supposed to bear apples, or an orange tree oranges, Christians are supposed to bear love fruit. Patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control. You said there's nothing standing against a Christian win when we bear the fruit of the Spirit. We thank you in our lives we're learning more and more how to do that. But Father, it's so wonderful to be able to have the choice of our own free will to praise you and worship you because we want to, not because we have to. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit in here tonight. And for the people watching us online, we want to thank you for your presence in their homes or wherever they're at, that they can sense the sweet, sweet Spirit of Jesus tonight. And the Word of God will change their lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It is so wonderful to be in church again. Amen. You know, uh, when you read the book of Revelations, you know, somebody asked me the other day about something about heaven like that. And I said, read the book of Revelations. Oh, yeah. You, you don't get goofy about all the, all the weird things in there. But if you're really looking just to see what heaven's like, it tells you what the streets are made out of. It tells you about the walls around the city. And the big thing that always gets me it talks about all those multitudes and number of saints and the angels of God that continue bowing and praising the Lamb, praising the Lamb, just worshiping the Lamb, worshiping the Lamb. And so if you want to know what goes on in heaven, he said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, they worship God. They worship Jesus, and nobody fights. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, that kind of tells me on earth, if we just become praisers and worshipers, I'm not talking about religious type stuff. In my life, uh, I've never been accused of being able to sing. And, but I am very scriptural. Uh, Psalms 50, Psalms 150 says, make a joyful noise uh, to the Lord. And so I know that, uh, especially in the morning time, if, uh, Mrs. Pastor hears, hears some joyful noise coming out of the shower, that's where I do my best singing at. But I know that when we're worshiping Jesus, that His presence is coming upon us. Have become manifested. And it makes it so easy to be able to go through life when you don't only know you have Jesus in your heart, but you sense his presence in your life. That makes things go a lot smoother. Somebody said amen. Amen, amen. amen. Well, tonight, we're going to be talking about how to pray for believers to grow up spiritually. And Pastor Dave and I hardly ever, ever, ever talk about what one of us is going to preach. And when I heard him preaching this morning about growing up spiritually for believers, I thought, wow, pal, I got part two. And there's going to be more parts. But tonight will be an eye-opener for you if you want to know how to pray for Christians. Because we pray for Christians different than we pray for the lost. Amen. How many want to be able to pray for believers and pay for, pray for yourself in a way that guarantees God will help you grow? 
Amen. Uh, to me, that's what prayer is all about. Prayer is about uh, communicating fellowship with the Father, with getting results here on earth. Amen. And so I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 3 and 4. And I want, I want to show you something here. Uh, we we pray, pray totally different for people that don't know Jesus. And this here shows us why. It says in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. That means people that have never asked Jesus into their heart yet. I don't know about you, but at one time I was lost. I'd known about Jesus when I was a boy, but as I became an adult, I didn't know. And so I was lost. It says, in whom the God of this world, and do you notice that's a small g, not a large g, and so many Christians, because of ignorance, have no idea where death and destruction comes from, where calamity comes from. They blame everything on God. Religious teaching talks all about God, but without God. That's my definition of religion. Religion is all about God, but they leave God out of the equation. They don't know him. And so it says, the God of this world, and that, that goes along with John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I've come, they might have life, they might have more abundantly. So it says the God of this world. It doesn't say the God of heaven. It says the God of this world. The God of this world has what? Blinded. Blinded the minds of them which believe not. And then both songs we sang talked about this tonight. Uh, lest the light. Did you notice those songs there? That first song about the flicker of light to the blind man so he can see. Did you notice that? The flicker of light. And then, then that next one about... Uh, Talked about light to see, need the light. Well, this is talking about the, the glorious gospel of Christ, whose image of God should shine unto them, should shine unto them. And so we need to pray for the lost, for their eyes to be open to see that they need a Savior. We need to break the power of the devil over their lives, command him to take the blinders off, because uh, lost people don't know they're lost because they can't see through the darkness. They're so used, they're so used to being in darkness, they don't know there's anything else. They people, see people like us, and all they think of, we're weird, we're strange, we're goofy, we're deceived, we waste our time, waste our money, and all those things, because they can't see what we see, because our eyes have been opened. And so lost people uh, live in spiritual darkness, and then when God's light shines into their heart, so they can see their spiritual condition, then they've got a choice. Just because the light shines into a lost person's life doesn't mean they're automatically saved. They've got a choice. They can either receive Jesus then because they see their condition. And God would never judge somebody at the great white throne and them go to hell forever and ever if they didn't have an opportunity in their life to see their condition. As so people could either reject or they can receive. And uh, I don't think I'm going to turn there, but Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 18 you'll see the story of Saul of Tarsus. How do you know about Saul, who became Paul, and wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament? Anybody ever hear Paul? Amen. Well, Saul, as you read uh, ch- chapter 7, chapter 8, Saul was one at the first martyr's uh, uh, death, Stephen. He's the one that stood there to hold his clothes while they killed him. And then it says after that, he went from door to door, 
arrested Christians, dragging them out of their homes, taking them to prison to kill them. And, you know, I think about some of the stories in some of the countries where they come around taking people out of their houses, killing them because they don't like them. Saul of Tarsus, the guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament, was one of those guys. He did that. And then in Acts chapter 9, it says he was on the way to Damascus, him and his boys with him, and all of a sudden it says a great light shined down on him. And it says what it did, he fell to the ground. That doesn't mean he's on a horse or donkey. He might have been. A lot of people know he fell off his horse. Well, it says he fell to the ground. We could fall right now if we're not on a horse. He got slain in the spirit, I believe. <laughs> the light came down. He fell to the ground. And then he heard a voice out of the light. We're talking about light. The light came down, heard a voice. And he said, who art thou, Lord? He didn't even know what was going on. And then Jesus said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. Well, then his eyes were opened. They said, Jesus, what do I need to do? Well, all of a sudden he saw. He'd been on a road, thought he's doing God a favor because he was a very religious man. As a lot of very religious people, I refuse to let somebody call me a religious person. Amen, I'm not religious. I'm a born again child of God's who I am. Amen, I'm not religious. I don't do religious things. I do Christian things. Amen. I'll throw one more out there. There's a lot of religions in the world, but Christianity is not one of them. Christianity is a family. Amen. They call it a Christian religion if they want to. That's fine. But it's all about family. We'll see that in just a minute. So the whole thing was light came and saw Saul. He saw his condition, said, what must I do? And so we need to be praying for the lost that their eyes be opened. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18, what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. We need to break the power of the devil and bind that spirit off of them in Jesus' name and loose the spirit of God to convict their hearts and open their eyes to see their condition. Amen. That's how we pray for the lost. And also in Matthew 9, 37, it says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest to minister to the ones we love. And so that's how we pray for the lost. But then uh, we pray for we pray for Christians in an entirely different way. I want you to look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Since I got born again on January 29, 1980, I don't know how a Christian can live a day without reading their Bible. I know life gets busy sometimes because I haven't read my Bible every day for all these years because the seasons have hit where... Bad, just things happened. Then, but I tell you what, as I started getting thirsty and dried up, just like you're in the desert, and you start getting out of the desert, that heat out there, you know, I gotta get some water. Well, the heat of the world. If you're a modified, born again Christian, you start getting thirsty for that word real quick. Wash the water of the word. First John five fourteen and fifteen says this, <clears throat> and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything. According to his will, he heareth us. So that's talking about prayer. And I always like to put this in there. How can you know the will of God? Read the word of God. Amen. The New Testament is, is the will and testament of Jesus. He died, left a will, and then he raised, was raised from the dead to enforce the will, to make sure it came to pass. So if you want to know the will of God, read the word of God. And so if we ask anything, that's talking about prayer. According to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, how can we know that he hears us? If we're asking according to the will. 
So if we're praying according to the word, we know we got his ear. Amen. And that what it says. It says that we know that he hears whatsoever we ask. We know then that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And so we're praying the word. I like what Pastor Dave said this morning about the childlike faith. I thought about that for 43 years. I, you know, this, I don't know what to express use. I've been silly enough to believe that if God said it, it was for me. Had somebody come up this morning and wanted prayer for a child that had some kind of serious problems. I mean, when you're a mom and it's your child, they're serious. But these, these were pretty serious. Come up to me, all I did, I looked at him. I said, man, that's the, that's, that's one of the easiest ones there is. I said, it is so easy to get healing. I said, this is no problem. I said, you ready to take care of this right now? And I believe that. And I know that. Not fake faith. I walk with Jesus. And ever since I got born again, I've always, always, always been eager to pray for anybody that was sick. It's just because it's so easy. Jesus said, all you have to do is put your hands on to my name and I'll do the healing. I mean, what is tough about that? And so, you know, if you want to call that childlike faith, call that childlike faith. Amen. And so I laid hands on this child and mama smiles. Child just still kind of sits there looking around like that. But she believes it, knows it's happening. So this, I know the routine. This is how it works. People lay hands on me, look to Jesus. Jesus heals and everything's okay. That's the way it is. Because I know the will. What is the will? Mark 16. Lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name. Jesus does the healing. That's not even deep, is it? That's just so simple. That's the way the rest of the Word of God is. So he says we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. If we know that he hears whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions we desired of him. Now, I wrote a note in my Bible. I got this off a man named E.W. Kenyon 40-some years ago. And I always, when I get a new Bible, write this in my Bible because this really, to me, speaks to me exactly what God means here. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflecting his word back up at him. He should look down, and when we're talking to him, he'll see the word coming back up. When the word comes up, the answer comes down. You ever hear this old say, what goes up must come down? That's spiritual. When the word of God goes up, the answer comes down. And so that's how it works. So prayer should be God looking down to earth, and when you're praying... If you're not praying the word, you're probably praying unbelief. You're probably praying non-scriptural. If you don't have scriptures that back up what you're praying, I'm not talking about religious stuff you have to read off a card. I'm talking about the living word in your heart that you live comes out of your mouth. It's just so easy. I, I, I only know a couple languages. Well, actually, I guess in 03. I somewhat know English. I have a heavenly language called tongues. I know the language of faith. That's the word. Amen. And so God's will is for all believers to grow up spiritually, become mature, fruit-bearing Christians. And so for us to pray and get results, we must pray God's word concerning Christians we know, including ourselves. This is praying for yourself, the things I'm going to show you, and praying for others. I know these have changed my life all these years. I still pray the word over myself. I pray it over you, I pray it over my family, I pray it over fellow preachers, because I know when I pray the word, I'm not just saying twinkle, twinkle, little star, or, or, well, I'm a hoping and praying. I don't hope and pray. 
when I'm facing impossible situations, I'll feed on spiritual things. I'll, uh, preachers teaching, look at old sermons, read the Bible, get my hope built up. But then uh, faith uh, gives substance to the hope. And then when I begin to pray in faith, I'm not hoping and praying. I'm faithing and praying. And I'm faithing and praying. I'm getting answers. And so uh, we need to pray these prayers I'm going to show you for ourselves even. And so we're going to look at some Bible-based prayers, Holy Spirit-inspired prayers for believers. I want to say that again. I think sometimes we don't really realize that when Peter and Timothy talked about the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Ghost, said the Holy Ghost inspired men of old to write these things. And so to me, when I read words out of the Bible, that's God talking to me because the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit inspired people to write things down for us. And so I call this the will of God because the Holy Spirit said it. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. says this, Blessed be the God and Father. We're in a family. We're not a religion. We're in a family. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this right here. Who has blessed us. I'd like to ask this question so many times when I see that. Because people always try to keep things in the future tense. Going to get a healing someday. Going to get a new job someday. Going to get whatever it is someday. He says he has blessed us. Is has past tense, present tense, or future tense? He has. He's already blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. How many here are in Christ and Christ is in you? So where do the blessings come from? They come from Christ that's in you and you in Christ. And so it does, it does very little good to pray God bless so-and-so because God has already blessed all the blessing he's going to give to you or to so-and-so. It says he blessed us with it all. It heavenly places in Christ, but you need to be taught. They need to be taught how to receive and enjoy what God's done for them. Amen. Uh, God has met your needs abundantly already. You need to know how to receive it. God has already healed. You know how to need to know how to receive it. Everything there is, He's already done, and that's what we're going to look at these prayers because that's how you get to grow up spiritually when you recognize the past tense of what God's done, and then you then you like, well, Pastor Dave's morning, he he does so good. Then you quit being a beggar. You quit being a beggar to God, and you start fellowship with your Father. You don't have to beg God to feed you. You have to, you don't have to beg God to provide transportation in your car, take care of your car expenses. You have to beg God. But what you do need to do is get His Word in you, become real to you, and then speak at His Word when you need things. And I'll just throw this out too. Uh, part of the fruit of the Spirit is patience, long suffering. And so while you're doing, while you're doing your faith stuff, that's the Word of God. You have the fruit of the Spirit to put up with stuff for a while. And how does that work? Well, it's like a seed in the ground. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 5, I think it was, or no, Mark Mark chapter 4, he talked about seed and the kingdom of God. 
He said, the kingdom of God is if a man should plant a seed in the ground. And it says, when it gets in the dirt, it begins to spring and grow up, said the man knows not how. Unless he's a scientist in modern times and they can tell you all kinds of stuff I'm sure about seeds and dirt. I don't know really what's in dirt. And I just know what seeds do with seeds and dirt meet. Then something starts growing. But it doesn't grow in one day. It grows for a while. And then even when it grows, you see it, you don't have fruit in one day. It takes a while for the fruit. And so in our lives, he said the kingdom of God's like that. When the word of God gets in our heart and we mix it with faith, that's the seed in the ground. When faith and the word mix, something begins to grow. It might, you might be growing a car. You might be growing a mate if you're a single person believing God for a mate. Because the word of God tells us the will of God. It's not good for man to be alone. Amen. And so, since a mate's what he wants to provide, so if it's not good for man to be alone, it must not be good for a woman to be alone. Amen. We're scriptural people here. <laughs> and so anyway, when your faith and that word get together, because you, pr- you pray the word, you pray it as will. Uh, I think about my wife. When I was praying for a wife, he gave me Proverbs 18.22. says, when a, when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. And tapes, fa- tapes favor, favor of the Lord. I put that on my refrigerator. I was a single man. I started saying every day, Lord, thank you for favor. Oh, thank you for beautiful favor. You know, I wanted favor. But that's what he says. I was praying the word. And that thing grew and sprung up. I know not how, but showed up. She was a full, full, full-grown, born-again, spirit-filled, blue-eyed, blonde-haired blonde. Amen. She showed up. And so that's what I'm saying, that that those spiritual blessings, he's already given us all we need. And we're going to see how to pray those out. But write this down. It's a statement that goes along with this verse right here that that I say a lot of times because Jesus said this to me years ago, and it always stuck with me. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural good or bad and so believers need to be taught how to tap into that realm after the born again Uh, now listen to this after a person's eyes are opened to the gospel they're saved but then their eyes need to be opened bigger to see what's theirs now a lot of times I, I use the I use the expression you need to know who you are because you're in Christ. You don't need to know who, uh, what you can have because you're in Christ. You need to know what you can do because you're in Christ. And so that's what we're talking about. The eyes, spiritual eyes, the eyes of your heart, your spiritual eyes need to be open to see, wow, this is mine. And that's when you're growing. Your eyes need to begin to see, wow, I'm a tither. So God's wind is a blessing on my life because I'm a tither. Your eyes need to see that. They need to be opened. They got open to bring your kingdom of darkness to kingdom of light. And now you need to keep seeing things clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. And uh, like what Pastor Day said about the clarity. This all fits in with that. You know that clarity about what clarity in life? The only clarity you need to see and know is to trust. What he said is yours, it's yours. Says you can have it, you can have it. Says you can do it, you can do it. Just real simple. Oh, I can tell you some wild, wild stories when I first got saved, man. I believed him for some things that he did that, uh, I hesitate to tell. Because the things that he did, cause I took out and I did some things back then 
as a baby Christian in faith that God did some miraculous things like you. <laughs> this is not the time to tell them. But God will do anything in life is the word you believe he will do. He will do it. And that childlike faith is just simply believing the Bible. And so what's a born-again Christian begins to see in the word of God, what they can do, what they can have, who they are, then their whole life changes forever, and that's called spiritual growth. And so I want you to look down at verse 16. Keep it in mind, verse 3 says, He's already blessed you with everything in the spiritual realm. And here he begins to tell you how to pray it out of the spiritual realm into this physical world where we need it. We don't just need a faith car. We need a real car. Amen. We don't need a faith job. We need a real job. We don't need a faith healing. We need real healing. This shows you how to get those things out. And so I want you to look here at verses 16 to 23. It says this. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now look at this. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And continually, for Christians, God is not referred to as God. He's the Father. And if I can get this into the thinking of everybody that I'm able to influence, quit saying the dear gods. You're not a sinner anymore trying to get saved. If you're a sinner trying to get saved, dear God, I need help. But if you become a born-again Christian, you've got to start doing what Jesus taught us in the Gospel of John. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, you shall receive. You need to start praying to the Father. Say that. Say, Father. Get used to that. When you're witnessing to people, you can talk about God. But when you're talking to your Father, uh, call Him Father. That's who He is. Paul said... I, I, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's the Father of glory. Now look at this right here. Here's how you need to pray for yourself to help you grow and for believers to grow. That he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You need to pray for believers after they're born again. If you want them to grow, you start praying, Father, I just want to thank you for giving them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of how to make more money. In the knowledge of how to find a wife. No, 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 no. You get knowledge of the Father and revelation of Him, He'll find the wife. He'll get the money to you. He'll get the healing to you. He'll get the job to you. But you need to take your focus off the things Pastor Dave said this morning. Really good sermon, Pastor. He said this morning, quit seeking the blessings. Seek the blesser. Amen. And so you need to pray for believers that their eyes would be open to see the wisdom of God. And revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm not going to camp out here, but I want to say something else too. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's two kinds of revelation. There's the wisdom of the world the Bible teaches about. The wisdom of the world you can learn in school. You can learn from other people. You can read books. You can read and learn worldly wisdom. But the wisdom of God comes by revelation. Two kinds of knowledge. Revelation knowledge and sense knowledge. Sense knowledge is what your eyes tell you. What you smell. What you hear. What you taste. What you touch, that's called sense knowledge. And to me, I've always seen sensors on this 
suit I'm in right now. You know, you don't see me. I don't see you. I'm, I'm living in this earth suit. My sensors tell me if there's something in the air that's dangerous, like gas or something. My eyes tell me if there's danger coming at me. My ears pick up things around me, etc. But then there's spiritual, there's spiritual revelation. By the Spirit, by the Spirit, I know things that God wants me to know. So you got the revelation knowledge, you got the spiritual knowledge. And so we need, we need to become tuned in to spiritual knowledge. And one of those beginning places begin to pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Hey Amen. Can you see that? You don't, you don't need, you don't need to pray. God bless, God bless, God bless. He just said in verse three, I've already blessed you of everything I got. Now this tells us when you pray this, you're going to start seeing how to get the blessing. Years ago, he gave me this example. Uh, in talk, talking about cars, he talked to me in car talk. He said, if you have a serpentine belt, because the time I needed one, had one, didn't know how to put it on. He said, if you have a serpentine belt, that's the thing that goes on your engine. Really, in modern cars, it's one of the main things that makes everything work. He said, if you have a serpentine belt and all you're praying for, Father, please give me a serpentine belt. It's laid there in the package. Please, I need a serpentine belt. You're praying the wrong prayer. You need to pray, get the information to me to show me how to put it on. Or send somebody to me that put it on for me and teach me what they did. And so that's what I'm doing. He's already given you the blessings. I've learned how to walk in some of them. And I'm teaching you how to put them on. And so as you're praying, Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, I need a blessing. I need a blessing. And he just basically said, yeah, I can... Have some mercy on you right now, but why don't you grow up and start learning something? I've already given you all I can do. I can't do anything else. It's laying right there. Pick it up and learn how to put it on. You need to know how to put on faith. You need to know how to put on love, joy, peace. You need to know how to put on the blessings of being a tither. You need to learn how to put on the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God. All of those things are already there, past tense. And so, like he told me back then, said, if you're praying for this serpentine belt you've got right here, you're praying the wrong prayer. Can't be answered. You've already got it. Does this, this make sense to anybody? He's already given to these things, and God has no favorites. God has no favorites. Whether, whether you're a high school dropout, never been to school, and taught yourself how to read, or whether you're super educated and can read 15 different languages, it makes no difference. It takes the language of faith to get it off the Bible and get it into your heart and make it work. It's not education. It's not which side of the tracks you were born on. It has nothing to do with economics. It has everything to do with how hungry are you to grow. And so he says, uh, pray at this, give, give us the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him. Now look at this. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That means light. Shining into your heart. So you can understand. That's called revelation. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You need to know what's been deposited into your spirit when you got born again. There's so many things in life. I've experienced with believers over the years. I've tried to get them to see. There's so many believers 
that were like me, before they got born again, they were sinners. How many of you were ever a sinner? You know you were a sinner. Amen. Well, what do sinners do? Sin. What does the blood of Jesus do when you confess your sin? Cleanse it away. And so one of the biggest hindrances of Christian is thinking they still are on the inside who they used to be. They bring up their past, what they did. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Well, to be passed away, somebody passed away means they're dead. Well, if old things are passed away, that means your past life's dead. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And then 2 Corinthians 5.18, the next verse says, And all things in your new spirit, all things in your new spirit are of God. And so in my spirit, in my spirit is the life of God, the nature of God, the ability of God, the love of God, the peace of God, the faith of God. It's all on the inside of me. And so I'm just going to act like the child. I've got all those things. I don't have a past. As of right now, I turned 43 years old. I turned 43 on January 29th. And I can't do anything about the earth suit. It's about 72 years old. But the guy used to live in here, he vacated the premises. Amen. What they used to say, they made the joke, Elvis has left the building. Well, Bernard left the building on January 29th, 1980, and a baby moved in. The baby had no past. I had no past when I got born again because I got born again that day and God saw there's a new person. And so what I begin to build on from that day forward is who I am, what my legacy is in heaven. Amen. You know, if, if, if I wanted to, I could tell you all the ugly things that the guy that used to live here did, but I didn't do them. The guy died that did them. He's gone. I'm a new creature in Christ. And this is what he's talking about here. Your eyes understand to see what your inheritance is in Christ. That's who you are. Amen. Amen. Why, 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 why? Go dig it up, yuck, and snuff out your faith. I talk about what a loser you used to be. So to grow up spiritually, pray prayers like this, and then was the exceeding greatness of his part of us who believe, according to the work of his mighty power. The power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. But I want you to see something here in just a minute before I move on. It says that power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead is in you. He set him. Now look at this right here. He set Jesus at his own right hand in the heavenly places. How many believe that? Raise your hands if you believe that. This, this is audience participation. <laughs> okay. It says, and in the heavenly places he's seated. Now this is talking about Satan and his demons. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come, hath put all things under his feet. How many believe that all this demonic power is under his feet? Does everybody believe that? Amen. All these things are under Jesus' feet. He defeated them. And it says, And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, already defeated Satan and everything he's got. Now I want you to skip down to verse 6. Like Brother Hagin used to always say, have you got your shouting clothes on? Now look at this. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is that? Look at verse 21. Go back up to verse 21. We're seated there with him far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Woo! You raised your hand that you believe that Jesus seated there and the devil's under his feet. All those demonic powers under his feet. He's on top of all of them. But it says in verse 6 of chapter 2, we're there too. Man, oh man, oh man, get this. You know, why, 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 why would you put this all that Jesus is there by himself when it says when he was raised up, we're there with him. We have absolute authority over Satan harassing our families, stealing our jobs, trying to make us die prematurely because Jesus already gave us an inheritance. He said, here, you sit with me right here. He said, I defeated Satan, not for me. I already had it made. I came down to feed him for you. Now you're up here with me. And so you tell the devil, he can't have your family. You tell the devil, he can't take your children. You tell the devil, he can't steal your job. You tell the devil, he can't make you go insane. You tell the devil, he's under your feet because you're in Christ Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. And that's why you don't just pray. It's it's such a, man, you make religious demons go nuts if you say what I'm going to say. That's why it's such a religious prayer. Okay, I'm going to do my prayers today. God bless Irma. God bless Gail. Uh, God bless Mrs. Pastor. God bless the pastor. God bless this and God bless that. And God just says, I already have. Would you pray for their eyes to be open to see what I've done so they can get it? Amen. And, you know, I'm not belittling the praise when you're greeting people. Well, God bless you. Have a good day. God bless you. That's okay. But the thing is, God has done it. We need to see it. He said, pray for the eyes of their understanding to be opened so they'll see what I've already done for them. I've already gave them everything they need. Pray for their eyes to be open to see what I've done for them. And then when you begin to see these things, what we're looking at in chapter 1 right here, you begin, you begin to recognize that, uh, I, I just look like, like this sometimes, there's an old saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, the bigger the demons are, the harder they fall. Amen. Because I've got authority in the name of Jesus. And because, because when I came to the kingdom of God, that childlike faith, nobody had to tell me this. Within about a week, I'm going to make a statement, I do this in about a week, and I'm sure some of you saw it too when you were saved. That it didn't make any difference uh, how much religious education you had, how much priest experience you had. It was the name of Jesus that did the job. And so I knew when I was a week old in the Lord, when I, I just got a revelation of the name of Jesus. I thought, wow, I, I, I got the same name of Jesus Oral Roberts has got. I got the same name of Jesus that Paul had. When I speak the name of Jesus, it's not me doing it, he is. And when I got that revelation, I've kept that for all my Christian life, that I knew that it wasn't by my feelings, is the name of Jesus coming out of my mouth that did the job. Amen? And so that's what you need to do. You get this revelation by praying out of the Word of God here. Now I want you to look at chapter 3. And there's another prayer, verse 14 to 21. It says this, For this cause I bow my knees unto dear God... 
We bow your knees to the Father. Get a revelation. And that, that will help your faith too. Start recognizing that He's God to the world, but He's Father to you. Amen. You know, you, you, need, you need to get a hold of that. Say that with me. Say, say He's God to the world, but He's Father to me. Amen. It says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family, it's a family. The whole family in heaven and earth is named. What's the family named in heaven? Christians, after the Lord Jesus Christ. What's his family named on earth? Christians. It says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family is named after Christ. We're Christians. He's the big Christ. We're, we're the little, little Christ-like ones. We're Christians. It says that he would grant you, now look at this, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. You need to pray this for Christians. Pray this for yourself, that God would strengthen them. He would strengthen you with might by his spirit in your inner man. You got an inner man, you got an outward man. The outward man, it, it's always amazed me how so many Christians can get up early, work out at gyms, or work all day long, and then go to a gym, but they have no time to do anything about the inner man. Amen. You can't beat up the devil with muscles. You can't threaten him with how big, how bulky you are, about your six packs, or whatever all those packs are. I never do anything about a six pack, except when I got saved, I quit buying them. But, <laughs> I never went for a six pack, it was a 12 packer, but, but no more. All these years, no more. So what I'm saying is this. I'm talking about how to pray for Christians. We're talking about how to pray for Christians. What did I do? Nothing. I just don't want you to trip. Uh, goldfish from heaven. Now we got volleyballs coming down. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad security wasn't watching. Uh, that's okay, guys. She's one of ours. Okay, well, I guess that's Dad back there, so Dad knows she's okay. <laughs> where where we're at now? Oh, we're talking about how to pray for believers. So you need to pray that the Father would strengthen you with might by His Spirit in your inner man. When you know that you've got fellow believers getting ready to grow, grow through a tough situation, a court case, a job problem, something going on, you need to stop and pray and look at Ephesians chapter 3 and say, Lord, I ask you today as they go to that job, strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. Because if the spirit's strong by the Holy Spirit, then it can bypass the mind when they're facing a challenge in court or something else. Because the answer is going to come from in here, not up here anyway. And so when they're facing things, they need to have that strength by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. I always say the spiritual determines the natural, good or bad. If you've got a strong spirit, it'll take care of the outside. Amen. Is anybody getting help out of this? This is very, very real. I've lived this way for all my Christian life. I got under good teaching right at the start of my walk. I've lived this way for 43 years and it works. But you have got to begin to get a hold of these spirits. Remember we started off first John, these scriptures, first John 5, 14, 15, asking anything according to his will. His will is you strengthened by his spirit, your spirit. His will is for your eyes to be open to see what belongs to you. That's his will. So that's why I'm saying you don't just pray the God bless me prayers. 
You got to get in here and pray the word. When you pray the word, you're praying the answer. This is reflected in the word back up in heaven. God looks down and sees the word coming up, but the answer comes down. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Okay. And then as you're praying, strength of might by spirit, you're in man that Christ, the anointed one, his anointing may live in your hearts by faith that you be rooted and grounded in love. You be rooted and grounded in love. God is love. The first fruit of the spirit is love. Then joy, then peace. He says, rooted and grounded in love. Love never fails. Love covers the multitude of sins. Faith works by love. Jesus said, by this shall men know you by disciples, that you love one another. You must become rooted and grounded in love. And you gotta pray these words. You gotta be able, when you're praying for people, especially people going through a hard time, and they want to bring, blame everybody in the world for all their problems, you need to pray, Lord, I want to thank you for opening their eyes. Strengthen them in their spirit. And Lord, help them get rooted and grounded in love. And then, that they may be able to comprehend or understand with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of God's love. To know the love of God, which passes knowledge. And the way I always read that verse is this. To know the love of God that bypasses sense knowledge, bypasses head knowledge. What that means is this, and I, I think about the little bit I know about cars or electric things is this. Sometimes you have to bypass something by running a wire around something. And so if you've got a problem with sometimes there's maybe something wrong with your car, well, until you get it fixed, you can temporarily bypass the fuse and run a wire around this side to that side because this part's not working in the middle here until you get it fixed. Well, your head, your head will get in the way of what God wants to do. It says that when you're rooted and grounded in love, the, 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 the love of God from your heart will bypass your head. Everybody says, you ought to be mad. You're not mad about that? Jesus said, forgive, you shall be forgiven. I forgive him. I'm not going to set myself up to get hit again. I'm not going to go back to get beat up again. But I'm not holding anything against him. It says that love bypasses, that bypasses head knowledge. That, that love, you need to be praying prayers like this for fellow believers. That, that the love of God in their hearts would just make their head go tilt. And so many times in my life, other believers that weren't really very spiritual people thought I was too stupid to know what somebody was doing in my life. I was too stupid to get mad. I was too pansy to get even. Why don't you do something? He says, not my place. That's between them and Jesus. I just know that uh, that may be in them, but it's not in me. The love of God's in me. I choose the love way. And I want to say it again. Love is not stupid. You don't let somebody keep on hurting you. are still in front of you, man. Close the door. But the thing is, for fellow believers, their faith is never going to do what Jesus wants it to do so that they get rooted and grounded in love. Can you see these prayers that I'm talking about? I hope you write notes down. I hope you write these down because when you begin to actually pray these, matter of fact, these prayers I've talked about, I've been praying them every day for a while for certain people and uh, people in our church. Now I want you to go ahead and flip again to uh, Philippians. Next book over. I'm just showing you a sample of these prayers here. And sometimes I go through seasons 
Why I pray one of them for myself and others, sometimes all of them, because I like to keep words coming out of my mouth. I like to keep my faith working by getting off the pages, <clears throat> into my heart, out of my mouth, and working to change people's lives, including myself. Philippians 1, verse 9 through 11. Philippians 1, verse 9 through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. Well, that word abound, I see abundance. That your love may be in abundance more and more, and knowledge and in all judgment. Look at people's lives through the eye of love, through the eyes of love. That word judgment, center column always says discernment. What discern means to see. And the way I look at people... I look at people because I pray this for myself. I got myself trained this way. I look at people through the eyes of love. When I see people having a bad day, I look at them through the eyes of love. What are they going through? What's happening at home? Did they lose their job? Have they got a loved one dying right now in the hospital? Is somebody they really love just got arrested facing serious time? And you treat people through the eyes of love. God has mercy. You treat people, you've got to see through the eyes of love. That's, that's the best way to do it. He said that your love would abound in this knowledge. You've got to see, you've got to see through the eyes of love. I'm not the judge, you aren't either. At the same measure you judge, that's the judgment will come back on you. If you're going through a hard time, which back in the 70s before I was saved, I was going through a really, really, really hard time. I was meaner than a junkyard dog. You know, I never was a fighter, but what I was going through, I turned real mean. And for a couple of years, nobody wanted to be around me. I was going through a lot of really, really, really tough things. And I'm so glad for the people that didn't judge me and come down on me. The ones that knew me knew what was happening in my life and my family and everything. But the main thing was, I made it through that. And since that time, when I got bored again, when I see people in life that act like I used to, I immediately start thinking, what are they going through? What's happening? People don't just get up in the morning time and think, I wonder who I can cuss out today. I wonder who I can be mean to today. I was really mean yesterday. Can I outdo myself today? That's how I lived back then. And so when I see people like that now, strangers don't know me, and they go go off and make it stupid like that, I don't let it get to me. I just, inside of me, I just start praying and thinking, wow, anything I can do to help these people, if I can, I walk away. Now look at this next part. That your love may abound uh, more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve things that are excellent. Now look at this right here. This last part of verse 10 is a major, 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 major trait you need to develop. That you may be sincere and without offense, and without offense, and without offense, Till the day of Christ. What that means is this. Here's the way I prayed this. Got this off the Holy Ghost 40 years ago at least. Is this. Lord, help me not become offended at people that do me wrong. And Lord, help me not to offend people. I see it on both ways. Do you know that sometimes we can be sincere in conversation, but the words not come out right? And they receive a whole different intent than what we meant. And so what have I done? I've offended them inintentionally by offending them by what I said. 
Not, not by what I said, but how I said it. He says we're praying to see through the eyes of love and then that we wouldn't offend others or allow others to offend us. And there's a book, I don't know if we have the bookstore, the John Bevere book about, about, about the bait of Satan. Long story short, it's a whole book teaches on offense, all kinds of things about offense. But the thing that's always got me is this. He said that word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon. And Jesus talked about the offenses in the last days in the body of Christ. People being offended, everybody. He says that word comes from the word scandalon. He said what that word scandalon means, it's like, have you ever seen a mousetrap? It's like the trigger of a mousetrap. The mousetrap can't kill a mouse unless it goes for the bait that's on the trigger. And so that once the mouse takes the bait, then that's the end. And so when Christians take the bait, that's when their life begins to change for the worst. And so I always say this, if somebody is wanting to start an argument with me or accuse me, et cetera, et cetera, I am not going to take the bait. Because I'll be the one that gets in the trap. They're already there and don't know it. But I am not going to take the bait. So you hear what I'm saying? That we may be sincere, and why we're sincere, not offended people. But I think one of the most important things that's just as important as that is not letting them offend you. You know, I know that people say, yeah, but I got my rights. Well, your rights will take you right out of the blessing of God. And then, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. We have been made righteous by God's Spirit at the new birth. And so in other words, we ought to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit working our life. It says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Being filled. And so I see a sequence here. Number one, verse nine, we're praying for the love in our hearts to grow more and more for people. See, as we begin to see people through the eyes of love, as we begin to not allow ourselves to be offended or cause offense, and then that opens the door for the right fruit. Can you see that? It's love. Try to live an offense-free life. And then it says we'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And when I was praying, I kind of alluded to this. When I was praying a few minutes ago. Think about this. If you got an apple tree, you're looking for apples. You got a peach tree, you want peaches. Or whatever it is, that's the fruit you should see. But if you're a Christian, the Galatians 5.22 says, we have the fruit of the Spirit. They ought to be able to judge us because we're the last people in the world to get offended. They can call us stupid if they want to. They can say we're too dumb to know what's going on if they want to. They called Jesus a lot of things, and all Jesus did is just looked at them. Didn't say much at all. And same thing with Paul. And so when you're a Christian that's full of Jesus, you don't have to defend yourself every time you're accused of something. I like the saying I've heard before, uh, when, when you're being slandered, people are talking about you, you don't have to explain yourself to your friends because they know you. And there's no need to explain to your enemies because they're not going to believe you. So why not just live for Jesus and bear the fruit of a Christian? 
Now I want to look at one more thing and we'll be closing down. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. And this is my absolute favorite prayer that I pray for myself and for you and others. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14, incorporates a lot of the things we just saw. But I've always been, I've always been in love with this prayer. It's been my favorite prayer for spiritual growth for Christians to grow. Can you see how praying this for Christians, how they begin to grow as you're praying? And the Lord's working on these words to come to pass in their life. You pray the word, you're praying the will. You pray the will, you're getting the answer. You'll see change. Okay, uh, verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the exact and precise knowledge. I like to say that. That's what the Greek says. Exact and precise knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so to me, what I've always seen here, when you're praying, if there's a person in your life or yourself, you're facing challenges, you don't know what the plan of God is for your next move in your job life, your career, your education, your family, church, whatever it is you're facing in life when you don't know what to do, go to this prayer and say, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you fill me with the exact precise knowledge of your will. Or for somebody else, you know, people are facing things in life, they ask you, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Begin to pray this for them. If they're Christians, give this them. So they start praying this and thanking the Lord that you're being filled with the exact and precise knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That means this. When He gives you the wisdom, you begin to see the picture of the plan. But then you see the picture of the plan. If you don't know what to do, you're still stuck. And the understanding is the first step. Because when you see what he wants, it's good to see and know, wow, at least I know what direction now. But if you don't know how to get there, you're never going to have it. So you got to have the understanding means, Lord, what's the first step? And I found out in my Christian life, especially for major things, I've never seen step number two until I took step number one. Because step number two doesn't matter if you don't take the first step. Back before we came to California... Our church was dead back there. We just, you know, it was done. And anyway, uh, I had to temporarily, was still preaching. I mean, just what didn't have a lot of life. We were still preaching. I started driving a mail truck for the post office in my nighttime hours when it took care of my family because there wasn't enough money in church to take care of us. And so this went on for a few years. And I kept knowing that I had to get out of that truck and start trusting God again for ministry, although we didn't have anything happening. And so... It never happened till I finally, being a Christian guy and everything like that, this boss was a backslidden Baptist guy. He wouldn't let me quit. I tried to quit for two years. Every time I went in and turned my stuff in, he would lessen my hours and raise my pay. And so finally, after two years, I went in the last time. I just looked him in the eye and I said, nope. I said, you're not talking to me to stay in this time. I said, I'm in trouble with God. I said, he wants me to get out of your truck so he can get me back where he wants me to do in my ministry. We still had it. That I'd be just dead. And so when I got out of the truck and quit that job, shut off that income from that truck, I'd say within a month, it got word there's a church in California, like your church, they want a pastor. So then we called and went through several interviews, came to California. But I'll tell you this, when I prayed for the wisdom of God, I knew the first step to step into the next ministry because he had more ministry. I knew the first step was get out of the truck. And listen, 
in your life. Would you call that faith? I still, I still had my wife and two kids. Still had bills. And so you don't do stuff that because you're trying to make God do something. You do things like that when you know you've heard God. You know you've heard the Holy Spirit. That's when you do it. And I, I gotta make sure I get this. I know I gotta make sure you understand what I'm saying. I've seen Christians do things like quit jobs because I heard somebody like me say they did it. I was with, for a while there, I, I, I bawled and squalled. I didn't want to quit that because that was, that was our lifeline. But then the Lord said this to me. He said, there's plenty more where that came from. Talking about the paychecks. Talking about the money. And when he told me that, I realized again, although I taught it for years, I realized he's my source. That's what he used for right now. But that one's done. Amen. Don't quit your job because I quit my job. I quit my job. Because I was a mature, seasoned Christian and preacher that knew the Holy Spirit and the voice of Jesus. That's why I did that out of obedience, not trying to make something happen. One more time, I want to say it. Don't quit your job. If you know the Lord really well and come to a place where he has you do that, that's different. But it says filled with the precise, his will, all spiritual says, why is that? So you can walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. When you know the plan, you take the steps, then it says you're going to walk worthy. His steps included in walking. What are you doing when you're walking? You're taking steps. And so as you get the plan, begin to take the steps and walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing, etc., etc. And so there are a lot of things in this prayer that are really, really, really good. And so you, as a Christian, to help your spiritual growth, you need to begin to incorporate these prayers, however you want to mix and match them or just do them. Just start praying the principles out of these prayers into your life for fellow believers, and then you're going to see change begin to take place because they're going to start growing because the Lord's going to open their eyes on the inside to see what belongs to them, see who they are, what they can do, what belongs to them because of what Jesus did, and you're going to help the body of Christ grow. Amen. 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 That's about it. Amen. Well, Pastor Dave, i tell you what, I'm so glad I prayed for my son all these years, for all my children. These prayers and things over their lives. And you know what you call this right here? This is called good fruit. It comes out of those prayers. Amen. You come out of those prayers. I pray for this church to have people come to this church that were strengthened in their inner man by the Holy Spirit, that walked in the wisdom of God, that walked in the plan of God, that bore Jesus fruit in their lives. And you're it. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. What a good word for us tonight. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand up together. I pray that we uh, wrote down some of those New Testament prayers right there. Uh, those are really, really important and key for us uh, in our growth and in our, again, in our prayer life. So I love that. It's perfect. Amen. Well, we're going to take a few minutes here and offer prayer to anybody that needs that this evening. And uh, let's take a few minutes here. And uh, if you need to just talk to the Lord right where you're at, that's great too. But we want to make sure that you have a chance uh, if you need us to join in agreement with you on anything. Thing, we're going to do that. Amen. So let's go ahead.
I'm going to tell you a quick, funny little story because of what happened a few minutes ago. I just had a flashback. When we first started pastoring years and years and years ago, uh, I was a baby pastor. And I just didn't know a lot about anything, but I knew enough to teach the Bible. Jesus had me doing it, so I was doing that. And something like that happened. A woman couldn't charge me. <laughs> no, here's what happened. You know, I had the crowd of people out there. I'm teaching the Bible. All of a sudden, this woman jumps up and runs up there. Hey, hey, hey. And <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to do. Just like then. And so I said, what, what, what? So that's not my Bible. That's not in my Bible. And I thought, that's in my Bible. I looked around. Nobody else seemed confused. And she said, that's not in my Bible. What are you teaching? And I said, looked at the Bible and said, well, I've been Mark and you're in John. And so the woman goes. So thank you, Brian Lynn, for saving me from the ball. And uh, I'm glad you just say, Pastor, get on the ball. There you go. Good job, Brian Lynn. You saved us from a disaster tonight. So praise God. Amen. Well, who's had a good time together tonight in the house of the Lord? Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and close things out tonight. And I uh, just want to remind you again that there's a lot of great stuff coming up. The National Day of Prayer and uh, Baptism Service. And, of course, the Mother and uh, Son Banquet. So make sure you stay in the loop on everything and get involved. Lots of great stuff happening. Amen. Let's go ahead and we're going to close in prayer tonight. And then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in the Word of God. God tonight and Lord we know that according to your word we can be victorious and we are seated above all these things in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus and so we're going to walk in that father use us this week Lord uh, to show your love to everyone everywhere we go and we thank you Jesus that we're sticking with you all the way we love you and we praise you in Jesus name can everyone say amen Amen. All right, let's do our Barstow faith confession tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you Wednesday.